0: Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of The New Standard. And as always, I want to welcome my partner in crime on my left, Neil Kulong. What's up, Neil? It's a
1: gorgeous Saturday, Lance. I'm looking forward to talking some Steelers football, talking some draft, talking a lot of things. We're, we're, we're going to have a good show here, right? This is, a, this is a good day.
0: And speaking of draft, listeners, we're going to bring Luke Easterling of DraftWire, and of the Steelers wire on a little bit later in the program to talk about the Steelers draft. And uh, for all you draft Knicks out there, I'm sure Luke has all the information that you're looking for. I particularly am not a draft Nick, but I do like to hear about the players that are coming in and, uh, and, and the evaluation and the effort in the work that guys do to try to break down these guys. Cause it is truly something very difficult to do as we see teams get it right and wrong consistently every year before we hop into the main topic of the program which is how the Watson signing shakes up the AFC North let's do a little business as always you can catch the program live at 8 a.m pacific standard time on YouTube every Saturday and also you can catch the program on every podcast platform that is out there just do a search for the new standard as well as Neil Kulong or Lance Williams and also below In the description on YouTube, you will find the links to the necessary shows. So let's hop right into it, Neil. And when I saw the Deshaun Watson signing, you know, I was thinking about it. And the first thing I said to myself, well, not the first thing I said to myself. Well, let's just say one of the things I said to myself, particularly when I watched a little bit of his press conference. And for me to watch a press conference, it's like the earth move from under my feet. I mean, it's it, it takes a lot for me to watch a press conference. And the one thing I took away from, and I don't want to get into his case. This is not a show talking about the legalese and the aspects of it. Only thing I said to myself was after you sign what you think is your franchise player to the biggest guaranteed contract in NFL history, it is not a good look when he has to say in the press conference i'm innocent that's just that's just not that's just not ideal whether you believe he did it whether you believe they should have signed him or any of that before we even talk about the football aspect of it him having to say i'm innocent <laughs> is terrible and secondly him wearing a brown suit with an orange tie is almost equally bad. What's your <laughs> thoughts, Neil? Overall on the signing, how it impacts the division, and just how and just do you think when do you think we'll see uh Hopkins on the field? Uh excuse me, Watson, uh, on the field this year.
1: Um first off, let's 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 be adamantly clear this was a trade and then an extension so this is not a free agent signing for the browns they had to give up um a substantial amount of draft capital in order to acquire the guy that has to say he's innocent in a press conference um you, you can break it down very simply like this you are actively acquiring a player who is facing some pretty significant accusations not a legal show we're not lawyers we're not going to get into the the legal aspects of this but i do think it's both important to point out as well as assume a reasonable person will view deshaun watson's situation as something heavily negative he's guilty of something For him to say he is innocent, um, it it largely, largely underplays what he's being accused of. Now, I'm not going to get into the legal pieces of it, because to be honest with you, Lance, I don't think this is a legal issue. I'm not even concerned with the legal parts of this. If I am inside the locker room, I have substantial reason to take exception to this, because I I think it's fair to say most people in the locker room, you know, are, are not being accused of this. Um, Whatever it is that they're doing, they're keeping it under wraps, but now you're bringing this issue into their locker room and you are bringing it in the locker room under the the banner of the largest acquisition in team history. uh, Probably the largest acquisition in league history. You are, trading away a generation's worth of draft picks you are then signing him to a historic contract extension tying him to your franchise innocent or not for a long time the money and the draft picks you got to work those through for a while um you're doing that for a player who will absolutely without a doubt be suspended for some period of time i don't want to get into the money piece of that it's not relevant except to say tj watt made one million dollars in base salary first year of his extension to TJ Watt was not accused of anything. They did not sign him into that contract to get him out of paying a fine for, for this. He's making plenty of money this year. That's the way contracts are structured in the NFL. And there's ample evidence of that. So not getting into, to just needless Browns bashing here. What I am going to say though, is what Jimmy Haslam and the Cleveland Browns are telling their team their fan base, fans of the NFL and people everywhere, money, or uh, excuse me, winning is our top priority. And the greatest indicator of success with a team over a period of time is having a great quarterback. That's logical. That makes sense. Even to a point where, I'll be honest with you, if if I had control over Deshaun Watson's contract, if I could write it up in such a way that I can show um, without a doubt. I have concerns about the lack of character, the lack of leadership and problematic behavior that he has demonstrated to this point, whether you can call himself innocent all he wants. Okay. You ask anybody, you don't have 40 masseuses on, on the ready. You just don't pro athletes do not. In fact, pro athletes do the opposite of that. They keep their, their circles very tight. You don't do that for this very reason. Okay. He's guilty of something. and. What I would do would be to to mitigate the possibility of those things uh, becoming more of a problem, uh, more of a distraction, more of a black eye against my franchise. Because if I'm choosing, I'm being upfront and honest, winning is that important to me. I get it. I don't know if I'm happy with myself over that, but I get it. I, I understand it. Deshaun Watson is an incredible player. I don't think he's even reached his highest level yet. He He is a remarkable player. That's the price of a remarkable player, um, whether or not he carries baggage with him. But the Browns tripled down on that to bring him in. You are doing it at the price of your former number one overall, um, largely at least one of the faces of your franchise in in Baker Mayfield. I'm not going to break Baker Mayfield down today, but you don't feel you can win with Baker Mayfield the way that you can win with Deshaun Watson. So you're getting rid of Baker Mayfield who's not accused of any of this, who's worked his butt off over the last four years uh, to build the team into something. Maybe he failed at that. I don't know. But at the very least, you know what you have with Baker Mayfield. You don't know what you have with Deshaun Watson. And don't tell me you investigated it because you can't. You just simply cannot investigate that at the level that you need to to find the answers that you would need to to make that decision if you cared about it. You don't. I get it. But you're pulling in an unknown who at at best, what you know is this guy is guilty of highly questionable behavior, highly irregular behavior for a professional athlete, something you should have full insight on considering you own a, a professional team. Doing that, giving a massive extension, which ties him to the Browns, whether he did anything or not, facing a suspension, and giving up a generation's worth of draft picks, this sounds trite. I know Lance, but 55 teams have won Super Bowls without Deshaun Watson. I, for me, I get that he's talented. I get that. That's the price of a starting quarterback. I get that winning is the bottom line in this business. That's just way too much for me at the end of the day to guarantee that much money and give up most of my franchise in order to do it. Deshaun Watson has them, pardon the expression by the balls and there's not a thing they can do about it anymore. So well, he's your guy, guilty or not. He's your guy. He is now the face of your franchise, and you're going to have to deal with that for generations. You're not going to get past that anytime soon. So, yeah. at the very least, you better win like two Super Bowls with this guy because 12, 12 and five ain't going to cut it. They're, they're going to have to do substantial things with that team now.
0: The thing that's so interesting, and we'll get to the football side after my comments. The thing that's so interesting to me is, and you know, because NFL is. You know, a weird corporate structure. I mean, but but it's a corporate. There, these teams are corporations. There is no way in the world in my corporation that the CEO would have twenty two allegations. I mean, there's just no way. And that's what makes sports and football uh, very unique. Is that um, especially when you're a franchise that has not won, you're a franchise that's been picked upon. Um, that you'll do this. And, you know, if if anything, at the very least, he's guilty of some significantly bad judgment. And that's not the type of person that typically you want as the face of your franchise. From a football standpoint, I think the marriage of Stefanski, Watson, that running game, and that offensive line is going to be hell to deal with. Moving forward and speaking about the division, just in terms of the contract, I'm going to tell you in two to three years, the AFC North with those three guys at quarterback with Lamar and Joe cool, Joe burrow, the contracts paid to the quarterbacks in that division is going to be absolutely ridiculous. That in the AFC West. I mean, we're going to talk about contracts where both of those guys Their contracts, at least probably in APY, will probably rival Watson's because the first thing they're going to say in a negotiation is I'm a good player. I'm probably as good. And I don't have I didn't come into it with 22 allegations. And if I said that Deshaun Watson was a free agent, I'm sorry, he was not. Thank you for correcting me, Neil. But it felt like he was a free agent the way he finessed the situation. Yeah, (laughs) honestly,
1: you may as well have been at that point. You acquired him, but you still had to give him an extension. So that, to be honest, is just as close to a free agent signing as it is trade. I mean, you you had to pay a premium to negotiate the extension with him because the extension is probably – even even the the treasure trove of picks that they just got, the extension is the bigger risk there, in my opinion. Right, that is, you cannot get around that money. You can get around draft picks. You can acquire other draft picks. You cannot get past the money that they that they owe him that
0: they signed him on for now. Let's jump to the football side. What do you think from a football per- perspective? Stefanski's offense, Watson, that running game, the offensive line. I'm, I don't know how they are at the wide receiver position. Tight ends, they're pretty solid. Uh, what, what do you think that offense is going to look like with Deshaun Watson, and how do you think he's an upgrade to Baker Mayfield? And how um, do you think? And how do you think it'll impact the division when you look at division and you implant Watson into the division? How are you ranking the quarterbacks? I mean, what are you looking at in terms of this division now that Watson is on the Browns?
1: I think Steelers fans hate giving any sort of positive affirmation to the browns um what i'm going to hear is the browns are the browns and they'll screw it up and blah 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 okay wrong clock is right twice a day um you cannot tell me that the team did not concurrently improve by adding deshaun watson and amari cooper to its roster you you just can't do that um i would even add this i don't think that baker mayfield is junk I do think Deshaun Watson is is a a pretty significant upgrade, but Deshaun Watson's an upgrade on 27 starting quarterbacks in the NFL, at least. So I think from a a pure football perspective, it's an excellent move. Um, I am very much in favor of trading whatever capital is necessary to land a quarterback that literally gives you a chance to win every game you play. That's Deshaun Watson. Um, adding a talent like Cooper let's see what he has left Um, it's a significant upgrade over Jarvis Landry nobody except for Jarvis Landry would would disagree with that they already have a good running game Um, we'll we'll see what happens with their offensive line they've had some some issues with that uh, health wise but they have a very potent offense and they always did more of the issue with the Browns last year was the fact that Mayfield was hurt and probably this is I would imagine that the source of um, frustration with him, he had to play hurt because he was coming up for an extension and he wouldn't take himself out of the game. And in my exactly. opinion, Lance, we, we talked about this yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. leading into the Browns game last year. He shouldn't have played. And frankly, that that's a decision veteran coaches will make for the player more often than younger ones like Stefanski uh, did in that case. I understand, <laughs> excuse me. I understand the case Keenum um, is not, an elite superstar level talent. But what I know is Baker at 70% uh, was not good enough for them to compete in a lot of games. You go to that, that Halloween day game, that 15 to 10 Steelers win. Don't tell me a healthy quarterback playing at an average level. The Browns don't win that game. <laughs> don't tell me that. Um, one of four or five games last season, the Steelers just had no business winning and somehow did it. It was, it, it, I can't imagine a healthy quarterback failing to come up with a few of the plays that Mayfield didn't make in that game. And a couple wins for the Browns flips them to Pittsburgh and where they finished in, in, in the standings. If Mayfield didn't play, I think they finished a, a better on the year, but I think Mayfield playing was more. I'm earning a contract extension by toughing this out because I'm the best guy in the field and I'm not going to show you any weakness. My opinion, I said it at the time, too, without any sense of of how this was all going to go down, but my opinion on um, Mayfield as far as that offense went, or as far as that team went, was if they had given him an extension, they would not have had the problem that they had. So maybe they should have given him the extension. Retrospect, clearly they're willing to go a different route um, and acquire a better player. I'll just say this, not to Sean Watson, but I would really like the Steelers to have acquired a, a better quarterback than they did this offseason to put it mildly I would have really liked that um yeah i agree cleveland i think cleveland had a better team top to bottom than pittsburgh did last year i certainly think that's the case this year uh that's why they play the games though and we'll 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 see what happens but cleveland can gun with anybody in the nfl uh with what they have um yeah, they have right. the, the difference making premium players and usually what i'm not even looking at the comments cuz i'm sure it's coming people will start to yell about the, the Brown salary cap position. Well, they have every major expensive position locked up for at least two years and most of them for three years. I think their future looks pretty good right now. I don't think it takes a whole lot to sign out the rest of a roster when you have a quarterback, at least one dominant receiver, we'll, we'll work on the other stuff, a solid, if not good, offensive line, um, the, the premium of having probably the best all-around running back in the game, Uh, at least one edge rusher who's dominant and a secondary that you've invested money in is now played together for a bit. Yes, yes. You need pieces, I know, but they're going to have simple restructures on a couple players. They're expensive guys next year, which are no brainer moves, in my opinion, that frees up plenty of cap space to sign. And to be fair, they need like 25 guys. They will be able to, to fill in around that team when they know more of what they have. So to be honest, I think Cleveland in this move set themselves up to be uh, the dominant team in the division. And I could absolutely see that happening. I have said that before. I know that it didn't work out that way. I don't think it was the Browns mismanaging their team, the fact that they didn't win a Super Bowl, any more than it was the Steelers mismanaging their team. That's why they didn't win a Super Bowl. So uh, Cleveland, uh, Cincinnati, in my opinion, got hot defensively. I don't think that's going to last for them. I don't think they're going to carry that into next year. I don't care how good people think Joe Burrow has been. Not that good. Deshaun Watson is a better all-around quarterback than Joe Burrow is today. Um, that won't be the case soon, but Watson is better. Watson had a better rookie season. Watson had a better second season. Um, Watson's a better player. And until Burrow takes him out of that, um, I, that that's what I'm going to go with. And the Browns have better pieces overall uh, for the next two, three years than the Bengals do. And I think we'll see that coming. Whereas Lamar is is clearly the third best quarterback in the division. And the Steelers, in my opinion, don't have a quarterback. So they're they're kind of an also ran at this point.
0: The one thing I'd like to say as I'm looking at the comments, historical stuff doesn't matter. All all of these historical comments, the Browns are the Browns, this, none of that matters when you take none of that matters when you play football next year. I agree with you, Neil. When I'm looking at the quarterback hierarchy, I think Deshaun Watson is the best quarterback in the division. Trubisky is obviously, if he's the starter, the worst quarterback in the division. I would rank him as Watson, Burrow, uh, Jackson, and then Trubisky as a distant fourth. What you said, I think, was spot on. When you have a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, you have an opportunity to win every football game. You're rarely at a deficit at the quarterback position when you play anyone. So automatically that right there gives you an opportunity to win every single game. Top to bottom, when you look at their roster, I think their roster is probably the most stacked roster in the division. That division is going to be significantly tough. And losing the quarterback matchup in every divisional game is not a great position to be in. And that's, and so, that's been reg- the case for the Steelers for a while. <laughs> you know, So, so, so regardless <laughs> <some degree>. of <laughs> historical stuff, I think fans should recognize the history of right now, and that is – they have probably the best quarterback in the division. I think what will help the Steelers this year is no one knows when he will actually start a game for Cleveland. That's that's um, fair. I left that so, part out. Let, let's keep so there is the,
1: very likely to be in a, a a suspension coming. I don't yes. want to undermine that today. So um, moving we'll, forward, we'll so, see what they need to to kind of get them over the hump when he comes back. They'll figure out truly what what type of team they are.
0: And and, and I love Steeler Nation because. If Trubisky wasn't a stealer, we'd all be bashing Trubisky. But now that yep. he's a stealer, we are going to no, try I'll to resurrect Trubisky. Now, now everyone it's loves it. There's not a, not a, a shred of, of good
1: evidence to suggest <laughs> Trubisky is anywhere close to any of this, except this is the best part, Lance. He's a stealer now. Steelers have been one of the worst offensive teams for the last three years, and they have not improved themselves a whole lot to a point where you can expect a gun with the certainly with the weapons that Cleveland and Cincinnati have. Uh, they're nowhere close to that today,
0: nowhere you close. know. And also, I I, lo- I wish I was as definitive as a lot of people in the chat about what Cleveland's record will be at certain points in time because. Um, if I knew that, that just give me lottery numbers. I've already yeah. I've already said if, if you're going to use predictive powers, use them for the lottery instead of football. But well, I they, think, were, you know, they were a
1: two and six team without Watson last year, right? That's how bad they were. It's, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, this is what I mean. It, the, there is absolutely no line of reasonable thinking when it comes to the Browns among Steelers fans. Bottom line, and you don't have to like this, but the bottom line is they have a boatload of talent on that team. And they played like it for a a good chunk of the year. Injuries get in the way of every team. Okay, The Steelers in 2019, I'm sure if we were on in 2019, Lance, we would have said the same thing. If they had something that resembled an NFL quarterback, that would have been a 13-win team. They were lights out defensively, and they had to be. The second that they weren't, though, is when everyone else figured out the the big secret of, of Duck Hodges and the wheels fell off like you expected them to. But the fact they got eight wins out of that team with the worst quarterback situation, uh, certainly in the NFL, maybe the last decade. I mean, they were really, really bad at at that position. The Browns have a difference maker at quarterback. You have the ability every game he's going to play. You have the ability to win every game. I understand, too, it's been mentioned in in the comments. You don't know what you're going to get. He didn't play last season. He's in a new offense. Okay, okay, I'll give you that. Some rust in there, but you're going to bet against him? automatically and you're going to bet against them because the browns weren't good five years ago when people said that they were you're going to ignore the talent they have on the team because they weren't good before that's ridiculous you know the past does not indicate the future you can't just say that and that should be obvious but we hate the browns so
0: before we jump to luke easterling and we jump into the draft talk i just want to address one last comment uh, from Grayson Brown, who wrote the Browns look great on paper. Injuries, physical division, rest of the AFC, that's what Cleveland needs to overcome. The Steelers don't look as good on paper. Injuries, physical division, rest of the AFC, that's what Pittsburgh needs to overcome. I mean, that's the difference. If we wanna, if we want to do this shuffling, you know, th- that's what it's about. That's why all the Steelers fans on Twitter, Steelers Twitter, they wanted Deshaun Watson as well. Um, so, but with that. Let's bring in our draft expert, Luke Easterling. And thank you, Luke, for sitting in the studio and hearing the discussion going back and forth about Deshaun Watson. Before we jump into some draft talk, what's your thought on the Browns and that acquisition of Deshaun Watson? Where do you think it puts the Browns in a division and in the hierarchy of the NFL?
2: I mean, I think you guys covered a lot of it and and it's hard to argue, like I said, with with all the football side of things. I, I definitely, you know, there's never been a question about what he brings as a player, uh, and whether or not in today's, you know, NFL landscape what that what that costs is what they paid for it, both in terms of, of capital and, and the uh the contract. So In terms of a football move, obviously, like you said, it it puts them on a different level. And again, a team that was already very talented and Neil spoke to it, those premium positions that from a draft perspective, you're always trying to nail those first and build around those that they have those guys. And so, you know, adding a a franchise quarterback who's still in his prime and, and probably getting better is obviously a big move. Again, at the end of the day, you know, what I have always said about this situation is if I were the general manager, if I were the one with my my finger on that button to make that deal. There's no amount of, like you said, Neil, there's no way I could know in enough information on, on either side of that to feel comfortable making that move. There's, there's just, it's impossible for me to ever get to a point. And Andrew Barry said it so many times yesterday in his opening statement in response to questions, you know, we, we felt comfortable after all, you know, this and this and this, and I, I don't know how you get there. I don't know how you get there. Instead of just saying, we didn't care whether or not it was comfortable. We know this will help us win games. I kind of, you know, it'll never happen, but I wish teams would right. just stop insulting our intelligence and just tell us yeah, that. it, we, maybe, we maybe
1: that's that. what it is, though. Maybe it, it's the definition of what's comfortable. And to be honest, my, my thing is just, like, to don't, don't try to sell us on this. There's right. no way you can. We know. Okay? Right. You're doing it for, a very, for one singular reason. You want to win football games. I understand that. I, honestly, I do. I, I would prefer they just dealt in that and, and kept it to that. Don't act like you conducted your own criminal investigation. <laughs> There's no way you can do that. Um, the Busby, the the, the plaintiff's uh, attorney, is going to to say, no matter what you say, um, this is a bad move. You didn't do enough to research. Why, why would he say otherwise? He doesn't want any of this to happen. It's an opportunity for him to speak against it. So, whatever access that you might have asked for is probably going to be completely controlled anyway. It's, there's no point in you jumping into the fray because really it, from the Browns perspective, none of this happened when you paid the guy. So he's on his own. That's really what you should say. We're paying him to play football. The other stuff, it's going to happen the way it's going to happen. It, 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 to say it's not your concern, I think is, is to some degree unfair, but also it really isn't their concern. So just say that. Don't act like, oh, well, we're comfortable. OK, OK, this is all right. There, there's 22 people making this stuff up. You you drag yourself down a rabbit hole that you absolutely don't want to go down. And eventually you're just not going to speak to the press, which is exactly what Haslam and D. Haslam did uh, prior to it. They wanted to get a feeler out there, let Barry answer the questions uh, before the owner, who's the one who signed off on the decision, would have to face the firing squad. And, you know, that's just simply not going to happen. They're not going to appear in person to speak about that.
0: Yeah, and 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 I I I'll probably will be the, have the minority opinion. You you just do it. I mean, you just you just sign them. You're comfortable with it. You, you you do the song and dance in the press conference. You lie to the public and you move forward. I mean, that's just all that that you do. And if you're Barry, it's it's an owner's call, point blank. If he wants his job, he signs Watson. That's it. If he doesn't, yeah. he's not going to be there anymore. But let's jump to the draft. And I love how we this discussion of Watson leads to the obvious question with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm looking at a couple of mocks. First-round pick Kuyper, Malik Willis. McShay, Malik Willis. uh, Lance Zerline, Kenny Pickett, a trade-up to 17. I'm seeing quarterback in the first round with a lot of these mocks. Given the Steelers' recent... Free agent moves. What what direction do you think the Steelers will go in the first round? Give me a guy that you think they'll take and some other options, and maybe uh a flyer, a mystery pick, sort of like a Terrell Edmonds, when everybody was surprised that Edmonds got drafted in the first round. That was fun. Yeah,
2: yeah, that was a fun one, wasn't it? Um (laughs) yeah, he he was the uh remember Mike Mitchell to the Raiders? Like 15, yep. 20 years ago, it was literally, I was I was working at a newspaper. And we just came to the Steelers. We had nothing. We nothing this dude. Nothing to even link to. Like, it was so bad. Um, but in guy. terms of the Steelers, you know, being at 20 and needing a quarterback is a bad place to be. Um, even in a, in a really weak quarterback class, which this, you know, kind of is, especially coming off of last year's, so it's not really a fair comparison at all, but you know, you have to be reliant on so much of what happens ahead of you. Right. And again, this isn't really a class where there's a guy that you would say, let me trade a couple of first round picks to get up into the top 10 to get this guy. Um, you know, my my philosophy on quarterback evaluation, especially in a class where it feels like there's no real, you know, complete player that doesn't have flaws. You know, to me, it's kind of my what I call the Lamar Jackson rule going back a few years. He was my top quarterback in that draft because I looked at all the other guys and said, you know, yeah, they have talent and yeah, they have things that maybe they do better than Lamar but they all have just as many flaws as he does. And they don't have what he has as in terms of potential and upside with, with the athleticism, the playmaking ability. That's why he was number one. If I'm going to take a quarterback, I'm going to get fired if he fails anyway. So why not take the guy that gives me the highest chance to find a superstar? Why not take the guy mm-hmm. that if I'm going to swing, swing for the fences. That's how yep. I felt about Lamar. That's how I feel about Malik Willis. That's how that's why he's been my number one quarterback in this draft for quite some time is because everybody else in this class you know, there's there's some guys with a higher floor, maybe, and I think Pickett is one of them. There's guys that, you know, maybe aren't as risky, but nobody has his arm and nobody has what he can do as a playmaker when things break down as an athlete. So if I'm gonna take a quarterback in the first round, that's my guy. That's the guy I want. I don't think he gets anywhere near number twenty. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. I, I've been wrong before and I it doesn't surprise me when that happens, but when you have a quarterback that that does what he can do physically, and by all accounts, does what he does mentally in terms of preparing and understanding the offense, you know I know he had a, a rough game against Ole Miss and quarters coverages gave him some some tough times, but that's what NFL coaching is for. Also, you have traits like he has. That guy doesn't get to twenty. It doesn't happen. I'm sorry. So if if that's the guy that Steelers fans want, you're going to have to go get him. I, I I wrote after his pro day. I think it's more likely that someone goes up to one to get him than it is that he gets anywhere near number 20. I I don't see that now. I'm not saying that'll happen, but think about, think about the structure at the top of the draft. Jacksonville would love to come off that pick. This is not a class that has a a top blue chip. He's definitely the number one guy to take number one. There's probably five or six guys that are worthy of that. The Jaguars need a lot of talent. So they want to take those calls all day long. If I'm the lions, if I don't want Malik Willis, I'm telling everybody I do because I want everybody to jump ahead of me so I can have Aiden Hutchinson or I can have whoever else is a non-quarterback if I'm not in love with any of them so that they can move up to there. So look at teams like Carolina at six. They don't really have the capital unless you're moving into next year and the year after. Atlanta does have the capital because of some of the deals they've made. they got two twos, got two threes, and they can dip into next year. That's the team that I think could go up and get him. I just don't see – if he happens to slip to six or eight, how in the world is are either of those teams not taking him? And again, if he gets anywhere near twenty, now you're talking about teams in, in the high second. You're talking about teams down in the lower first round. They're going to trade up and get him. So, if you, if you want him, you've got to move up, whether it's a little or a lot. Willis Willis isn't happening. Um, for let me let me explain it like this: for
1: Willis to get to twenty, he'd have to get to nineteen with what we have seen highly publicized of if if we want to look at this as something pure and not just kind of fun gamesmanship or something that ultimately just doesn't matter. He's just doing his job. Mike Tomlin seems to enjoy Malik Willis and is really interested in Malik Willis for him to get to 20. He's got to get past 19. That's where the teams that passed on him already would want to go back and get him. And there are plenty of reasons why from his play, you might not want to take him in the top 10. You might find a, a, a premium player has more value for you earlier, but come 20, that's a damn nice pick. And there is no way Pittsburgh would pass on him at 20 if he happened to fall there, but you apply that same logic to every pick. You push them all the way up. In my opinion, probably to five, the giants have two picks. If we are to believe that they're sold on, on Daniel Jones, if they're we are not. to believe that, Number five is a prime trade position, especially when they have seven as it is. The Giants don't want to trade back to 20. The the value of that trade is worth nothing compared to what it would be at nine with Carolina at um, uh, Washington. You can't like the idea of Washington, you know, thinking Carson Wentz is their guy. That was the case. He wouldn't be playing on his third team in three years, much as that hurts me to say. Um, Minnesota Vikings just got leveraged again by Kirk Cousins. I would imagine at some point they'd really like to have a quarterback who is not Kirk cousins waiting in the wings. All of these teams have a much better package to offer the giants in terms of right now, this year in this draft, the Steelers wanting Malik Willis means absolutely nothing. The guy is going to go higher and higher and higher in the draft for the same reasons that Luke just mentioned. It's, it's not because he's the fifth best player in the draft. He's far from that, but he has a ceiling that very few do and none of the ones at the game's most important position have that same level of ceiling. Let's combine these two conversations together. Let's talk about Deshaun Watson and what you have to give up to get Deshaun Watson and what Deshaun Watson is carrying with him. And he still has that price. That's why you draft a Malik Willis in the top five. Okay. You don't want that situation. If there's a situation in which you can develop a quarterback by, you know, coaching him and accept the fact that If he can't read cover two, if he can't read quarters, maybe it has something to do with the fact that his head coach at Liberty probably makes 80 grand a year and wouldn't be going anywhere else for however long. Let's put him in an NFL program, and let's see what we can teach him then. Is he smart? Is he going to put the work in? Those are the two questions that you ask, because the physical ability is unrivaled in this draft. You can see it. He plays pretty stupid. I get it, but he's a young guy. He doesn't have a ton of experience, and I, I can't help but notice that the coaching at a school of that size is not going to be on caliber with what would be on the staff of an nfl team to to put it mildly you can wait a year for him you can drill him if he takes to that if he takes to coaching all you have to work with is a phenomenal athlete with a great arm who's willing to to be coached i'll take that all day if i have to, to stake my my job on it fine What I don't want is to get stuck with Mitch Trubisky for at least a year because you have no backup option. It's that simple. I will risk my job for that all day, any day, simply because my alternative is to suck badly enough to draft in a year that there is a good quarterback that's available for me to do it, and I might still might have to trade up to get him, or I throw a bag at a guy that's facing 22 counts of something that most people think is pretty reprehensible, or – you roll the dice with Mitch Trubisky, kick the can down the road and wait to, to find somebody else. I'll trade up and take Willis. If that doesn't work out, fire me. Fine.
2: Well, and the interesting part, Neil, about the rest of this class is is what happens at 20 with who else is there. So assuming Willis is gone, maybe Pickett makes it that far. I, I don't think he does, but look at what the other teams have done. Look at what New Orleans, you know, New Orleans, do they bring back Jameis and do they take Pickett if he drops to 18? You know, you talked about Washington, you know, is Seattle – at nine, are they going to talk about that? If Pickett gets anywhere yeah, near
1: them. Just talk about Seattle. I mean, I, I Seattle's at yeah. nine. I said Carolina, I meant Seattle. Seattle is the team at nine. What do they have at the quarterback position? They're Drew the only Lock, team baby. that significantly has we something worse the than the Steelers do. There's absolutely no way. No way Malik Willis is getting past him. But at the same time, they can't draft him at nine either. They're not going to be able to. They're going to get ahead of it. Not vouching for this, but it's the same thing as what the, the – um, what the Jets did a couple of years ago to get ahead of everybody else, to get in line, to take whatever quarterback falls at three. They traded capital up to get to that spot without even knowing which quarterback it was going to be. The Colts, or the Colts, the Eagles did that obviously uh, years ago for Wentz again, not saying it worked out, but there are so few high level, high talent, consistent quarterbacks every year. You have to sell out to get the opportunity to get one of them, or you don't have them. And what happens if you don't have them, Lance? You have Mitch Trubisky. Okay. Yeah, Mitch Trubisky. And you're paying Mitch Trubisky $7 million. Uh, let, me, let me ask this question. Luke, before be you go.
0: Let me ask this question before you go, uh, Luke, before we go and get into some more. Uh, we know that Malik Willis is not going to be around, right? We probably think that Kenny Pickett is not going to be around. We still are acknowledging by saying Mitch Trubisky's name over and over and over again that the Steelers have an issue at the quarterback position. Is there a player outside of Pickett or Willis that you think the Steelers could try to acquire in a later round in the chat I'm hearing Desmond Ritter amongst names what's your thoughts about them possibly acquiring a quarterback in a later round and what's your thought about Desmond Ritter as a player
2: that this is what I was going to get to is is from a Steelers perspective how far down this even in a weak class how far down this list of quarterbacks do you have to go before there's a guy you wouldn't rather have than Mitch Trubisky?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean I don't have to go down it at all. <laughs>
2: I, I was going to say, like, how many of these quarterbacks are you like? Yeah, I'd rather have that guy. I'd rather have that guy. I'd rather. And and then the question becomes: Do I take him at twenty, or do I wait until the second round? You know, does Ritter make it to the sec- to the to you at the second? That far down? I don't think he does. He's he's number three for me. I, ha- I like him better than Matt Corral. I like him better than Carson Strong and Sam Howell. I, I think Ritter, again, that much experience, that much success, that much production. I'm not a QB Leadership. wins guy, but when you're the quarterback of the University of Cincinnati and that program has that kind of success with you at the helm for three or four years, there's something to that in terms of evaluating his ability to, to lead a team to be a winning program. I think there's something to that. Um, so he's, he's QB three for me. So if you're talking about getting him in the second round, I think that's huge. I don't think he gets there. I don't think he gets that far, uh, down the list again, because if you're talking about Seattle, not getting a quarterback at nine, they pick at 40 and 41 and that's the spot, right? That's, that's where you're going to get if Corral falls that far or Ritter or even Howell, I think they've got to use one of those picks on one of those guys. So, um, outside of that, I mean, do you like Carson strong in the second or third, you know, you're talking about maybe. Hoping he gets to the third round. I don't know if that happens. And now you're getting into the range where it's like, you know, is Bailey Zappy going to give us enough of a, you know, that's where you get to the point where it's like, I'm just going to eat it. I'm just going to use Trubisky for a year and hope that next year is better in part because I want to spend 20 on somebody who's actually going to have an impact at some position. And help me this year. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to use that pick on Jordan Davis or Devontae White or so, you know, something that helps me now, or a receiver that makes Trubisky look a little better, or maybe an offensive tackle that will keep him protected. That's the conversation at that point.
0: I want to look, um, I want to give you a name from a user, excuse me, from a listener that listens to the show, Jerry Jones. He tossed out a name, Daxton Hill at the safety position. And looking at the Steelers roster, given what they've done in free agency, they have addressed Uh, the cornerback position. There's a gap at the second safety position. Uh, They've addressed the inside linebacker position. They've addressed the offensive line. Give me your number one pick for the Steelers and evaluate that Daxton Hill pick. And what do you think that would, is that legitimate? Um, Here's some other first round picks that some guys have tossed out. Uh, Brugler tossed out Zion Johnson. I don't think that would happen because I think they've addressed that now. Um, the offensive line, Zerline, again, throughout Kenny Pickett, we think Kenny Pickett's going to be gone. Uh, Mark Cabali throughout Kenyon Green. He's a guard. I don't think that happens. Give me your Steelers first round selection and give me your thoughts on the Daxton Hill. Was that a solid pick? Could you steal it, see the Steelers going in that direction?
2: Well, I mean, we talked about Terrell Evans being kind of a surprise at safety in the first round. I don't know that Hill would be that level of surprise, but I, I love this safety class. And and Hill is right up at the top. Obviously, we have Kyle Hamilton who we expect to go top five, top ten, maybe. Um, but right after that is is Hill and Jaquan Brisker from Penn State. I think they're really tight for that that second spot. And I don't think necessarily that 20 is too early. We talk about how safety can be, you know, devalued or whatever. I, I think that arrow's moving in the opposite direction in, in the NFL right now. I, I think but you have to be a certain type of safety. You know, you can't can't draft box-only safeties at 20 by all means. And again, the reason that Kyle Hamilton, I think, is in the top five conversation is because he can do all of the things that a really good defensive coordinator who has the type of talent and versatility at safety to execute the kind of plan that most guys want to do on that back end, he can do all those things. I think Dax Hill is a bit better in the box than he is in terms of being a single high guy and, and man coverage guy, but I think he can get there. Um, I don't think it would be crazy, I guess is what I'm saying. If Hill goes 20, and again, they, they haven't addressed the safety in, in some other way. And, and again, that's what you want to do in free agency. You address those needs aggressively with veteran guys for two reasons. I A, agree. You want those need areas to be filled with guys who are going to make an impact now because you can't wait. You can't be patient for those guys to develop. You need starters right now. So you it also allows you to go into the draft not having to reach anywhere. If a, if a position that you wanted, you know, it comes to 20 or whatever, and, and there's nobody on the board that you like, you don't have to fill that spot. You take a better player somewhere else because you already got a veteran in free agency. And that's where I think they've done that with the interior offensive line, like you mentioned, Lance. But I think offensive tackle is a spot, particularly left tackle, where maybe that hasn't happened yet. But at 20, I mean, Trevor Penning, that doesn't feel like a, a Mike Tomlin type of you know Steelers type of pick to me I I think he's a nice player and 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 nasty first you know athletic guy I don't know if northern Iowa is where this team in particular is going with their first round pick um you know some of those other guys you mentioned I I like defensive line for them I don't think Jordan Davis gets there uh I had a mock draft recently where I had them moving up to 12 actually to get him jump in front of the Ravens jump in front of the Texans to get a guy like that do you sit at 20 and hope that because he's a nose tackle and maybe he's coming off the field on third downs that maybe he slides to you? Maybe you hope that. But that's that's the guy they need. I mean, that run defense has been terrible, and they need that type of presence in the middle to eat up space, to take on blockers, to free up their other guys. Didn't they have Chris Wormley playing, playing nose at some point? And I – you've know, know, got to still have, still really a have a true
1: nose it, it's they'll they'll move guys into a one and a three but they're not playing zero technique on the line uh as often as people think that they are i mean it really it's it's a, a common four three alignment up front but wormley yeah wormley's been he, he's played three they won't put him into one but um he's been inside and out
2: so if that's you know that being the case then it goes to devontae wyatt i think he's worthy of 20 as well um and again anything you can do to to give you another athletic, versatile, quick, explosive guy that can make plays in the backfield to shore up that run defense, and he can pass rush as well. You know that that's where my attention is is put. If if Charles Cross, the offensive tackle from Mississippi State, happens to get down there, I don't think he does, uh, but that's a conversation to have. Outside of that, if you're talking about you know outside of obvious need areas, you, you go to premium positions. You want to spend your first round picks on those premium positions we talked about earlier. You get pass rushers, you get corners. You get quarterbacks, you get offensive tackles. I, I feel like that's that's where you have to spend that pick. Thankfully, this is a really deep edge draft. There's a lot of good offensive linemen in this draft. Quarterback, obviously, you kind of see what happens. But, you know, I know they need a receiver, but they like to find that guy on day two. The Steelers are really, really good at, at identifying a guy that they can get in the second or third round. I really like a guy like Sky Moore from Western Michigan for them in that range. Alec Pierce from Cincinnati is another guy that I think would fit well. Uh, with what they like and what they do on offense. Um so yes it's when you pick at twenty, there's so many different options. And when you have a quarterback issue, it makes it even even more difficult.
0: I'm looking at your mock and thank you, Neil, for sending me uh the mock that Luke put out. And at 20, you have the Steelers taking Trent McDuffie, the cornerback from Washington. No, they they traded that, Lance. Ah, they traded that. So who do you have oh, the Steelers no, I told taking? You in the comments. <laughs> Uh, who do you have taking in in the first round? I'm sorry about that. Uh, I'm I'm trying to get through this. Who do you have the Steelers taking in the first round in your mock? Oh, no, so that's that latest one I just
2: mentioned where I have them moving up to 12 to get Jordan Davis to get okay. that that big massive guy. That, and again, people talk about the fact that he doesn't rust the passer. With that type of athleticism, again, NFL coach, you could teach that guy to rust the passer. That's not what they needed him to do at Georgia because you had Trayvon Trev- Walker and you had Adam Anderson, you had Nolan Smith and you had Nicobe Dean and you had Devontae Wyatt. And you had so many guys on that defensive front that could get after the quarterback. You just need Jordan Davis to go do what he does. Um, do you trade up eight spots in the first round for, for a nose tackle? I, I don't know, but I, I'd love to see him in that role. I'd love to see him in that defense. And again, when you're not trading up for a quarterback, that cost goes down. It's been proven in, in, in the past that once you, get, once you get out of the top 10, and a team knows you're not going up for a quarterback, that price tag is way, way different. I remember, I mean, again, this is historical data and things change, but remember when, remember when the dolphins moved up for Dion Jordan, they went from 12 to three and it cost them a two. That was it because they weren't going to get a quarterback. They were going to get a guy that I think a lot of people didn't want. And they were like, yeah, well, it's not a great draft. We'll drop down to 12 and get an extra two. It's fine. The Raiders took DJ Hayden and that didn't work out too well either, but Again, when you're not going up for a quarterback, it doesn't cost as much. So if the cost is, you know, a day two pick to go up eight spots and get a guy that I think could make a huge difference for that defense. And again, it's a personality thing. It's a tone setting thing. He's the type of player that you drop in that defense. And it feels like the Steelers defense a little bit more the next day. It feels like the personality and, and the, the identity of that defensive front changes overnight. And that's the type of guy that I think could be worth moving up for.
0: Do you think, that. though, oh,
1: Luke, do you think that what you're saying in that mock with him at 12 and the Vikings trading down uh, without the quarterback option there for them, which is what you did in the mock? Do you think that pick is around where Jordan Davis should go, or do you feel that in, in this hypothetical scenario? is that more the range of where Davis should go and here's a team fit let's work out a trade because those two the, the the team fit as well as the player should go hand in hand
2: uh yes it's all of the above because I think the the re, the biggest reason I had them moving up to that spot is yes I think Minnesota would be re, um, receptive to that conversation and part of that is because when they got to 20 they got the guy I was going to give him at 12 anyway because I think McDuffie would be if they can't get off that pick McDuffie's a a fine pick for them there. He's a great corner. He's going to be polished and pro ready. They're fine with that, but they look at the rest of this corner class and say, yeah, if we move back to 20 and he's not there, we'll take Andrew Booth. We'll take Kyrie Elam or somebody, you know, we'll get still get a good corner at 20. If they get McDuffie, they'll be really happy for the Steelers. It's moving ahead of two teams that I think would take Jordan Davis. If he's there, if Jordan Davis is there at 13, I think the Texans take him. If Jordan Davis is there at 14, I think the Ravens take him. And particularly in Baltimore, you obviously don't want to go against that guy twice a year. You'd rather have him on your team, stopping the other team's running game. Again, especially a team like Baltimore, who needs to run the ball effectively to win games on offense. You want to have that guy defending that on your team. So that it's it's both reasons why I think that'd be a great fit and a great deal for both sides.
0: Two positions jump out to me. And, you Neil, know, I'm, I'm just now reading the comments in the private chat. Um, you know, my vision is getting a little bad as I get older. Um, But it was obviously typed there. Thank you for that. Um, As I look at the Steelers roster, two positions jump out to me, corner and wide receiver. They don't have a dominant wide receiver, and they have guys, in my opinion, at the cornerback position. Are there a couple of names that jump out to you as first round or second round selections that you think the Steelers could acquire at 20 and or just in the first two rounds at either position? I don't know, Neil.
2: is 22 early for Christian Watson? Is that what you want? <clears throat>
0: That's what I want. Um,
1: <laughs> I'll be honest with you. If we want if we want to dive into that, let me ask you that. Um, it, 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 why are the Packers passing him at 22? Just ask that flat out. Why are they passing him at 22?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think, can't
1: come up with a reason. <laughs> I yeah, really can't.
2: Well, and he's very similar to to Scantling, I think. Yeah. I think he has a lot I, of the I same traits. I think he's trait.
1: that. He has more upside.
2: Yeah. The last the last mock I did again, I think I did three last week because everybody kept trading all the first round picks and it, it you know, then necessitates a new one every time. Um, but the la the last one I'm working on now, I, I have the Packers going with two receivers because I think they need it. You know, you lost Adams, but you yep. lost Scantling. Yep. Randall Cobb is not doing it. You know, if he there's nothing there when Alan Lazard is your wide receiver one and you just brought back Aaron Rodgers on another four year, like You better load that unit up. And I know we joke about them never taking a receiver in the first round. Now's the time. Make up for it. 22 and 28.
1: And I I have have them
2: landing. I think they get Burks. Burks at 22 and Jamison Williams at 28, which I think would be interesting if you've already taken a receiver. You can afford to take that guy, right? Because you can be patient. He's going to recover from that knee injury, and he becomes the second receiver you take. I think that's great for the Packers. But yeah, I mean, in terms of, I think Jim Nagy said it the other day about, about Christian Watson being the top 50 pick. I don't see how he gets out of the first round. Because again, you got the Packers at 28. You've got uh you got Kansas City now at 29 and 30. You've got Detroit at 32. I know they added some receivers in free agency, but nobody who can do what he can do. I, I mean, there's I don't see any way Watson gets out of the first round. And part of that is because look at the top of the second round and so many teams who need receivers yep. there. If you want that guy, you gotta go, you gotta go up Thursday night and get it. Now, and, let me so- let me add
1: this wrinkle to it. And this is I'm, I'm going to blow people's minds with this. But the Steelers are aware of one, their lack of, of depth, future and present at the receiver. And that the fact that they need long term, long, long speed, they need a long term option uh, of a of, uh, uh, you know, height, weight, speed guy, which is Christian Watt, Watson defined. Right. They're aware of that sitting at 20. I don't see how the Packers could pass on him at 20 simply because of need. All right. Now let me me add this to it. You get to a point where if, if you are drafting as a team and you are not drafting for the internet, you're making the decision for your team. You have one pick in the first round. You're not assigning 32 round picks. You are going off of the philosophy and the definitions that your team has set up for each round. In other words, we put the round ahead of the player. We're going to define a a pick in this round having these things. They're this height. They run this fast. They played at this school. Those types of things. Every team does that. And from there, you scout and evaluate. You don't come up with 32 first round picks for the sake of drafting for the first round. Okay, the first round doesn't need your help. The first round will take care of itself. They're paid by the team to draft for the team. They don't come up with 32 guys that have first-round grades. They come up with 18, 19, maybe 20. It depends on the year. Yep. I would venture to say lack of quarterback in this draft kind of suggests maybe there aren't as many first-round picks to a team as there normally would be. So let's say there's 18. What do you do if you're drafting 19 and beyond? Well, you got to draft somebody. So you're, you're not dipping into a second round. What you're doing is splitting the difference between how you define a second round and how you define a first round. Call that the one a bucket. These are players yeah. that don't earn a full first round grade from us, but they're guys we would take in the first round because they share commonalities with how we've defined it. I would argue Christian Watson fits a one a definition pretty damn well, because what's going to come into that probably more than anything is team need. I feel Wide receiver is as much a a position need as the Steelers have as anybody. And you also know there's no way you're getting to him in the second round because two teams in particular, one, the Green Bay Packers, absolutely need a receiver. They had all theirs taken away, whether that's their doing or Aaron Rodgers doing or just the, the natural order of things. They don't have those receivers anymore. Two, the Kansas City Chiefs, also with two picks in the first round. How do they pass on them? They're not going to. All of this pushes Watson's value up. I honestly think he's in play at 20, not because he is worth 20 overall, necessarily. I'm cloaking my bias here. Not necessarily because he's worth or not worth 20, but because he's absolutely going to be worth 22, which also suggests, does Green Bay know that? They probably do. Why don't they swap picks? Who are the Steelers knocking? If they don't like Watson, let's just say, a happenstance, that they don't. There's no way that they don't absolutely love him. But if they don't and Green Bay really likes him, what can you get? And th- this is my long winded question, Luke. What could the Steelers get from the Packers to flip from 20 to 22?
0: Before you answer that, Luke, let me give you Watson's RAS. And RAS is sort of like Spark, yep. it's his Excellent. measurement numbers. Uh, he grades out at a 9.96, <laughs> and the highest you can get is 10. His composite size grade is great. His composite speed size is elite. He is in green in every category except for weight, shuttle, and three cones. So he's an elite athlete. And we talked about that in, a, in an earlier show, maybe six or seven months ago, about RAS, Spark, how the Steelers are prioritizing really, really good athletes.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, you said it. And even at the weight, it's 205. It's not like he's, you know, 6'4" Yeah, I mean, he he's, he's fine. And again, in an NFL program, you know, you're If you want to put on weight, you will. Um, I, I, again, that's why I brought it up, Neil. cause again, I, I know I want to uh, needle at your uh, your bias here for the bison, but uh, I don't think it's out of the question and I don't think it should be guys that, again, we talked about it with Malik Willis, guys who, who look like Christian Watson, who have that frame and that build, and can do what they can do athletically, do not go in the second round. It does well, not happen. And they, they to put, have to have
1: a huge flaw to fall. Right, for the exactly. Second round. Right. And there has to be no need for that. I don't I don't think there is a, a, a lack of need for a big play receiver in the NFL today.
2: Right. And, and you mentioned what are some of those criteria that maybe aren't there to where he's a one A guy. And I think for the Steelers, it's the it's the school thing. I mean, they like big school guys, they like big program guys. But if it's on the Steelers roster as of right now, fair enough, fair enough. They've
1: changed on this. They've they've they are singing a different tune over the last year. And that's a leap in time. And
2: again, that's going to bring me to the guy that I think at corner, if we're talking corner, and especially if we're talking in the second round, I was going to touch on the fact that I think that particularly I, I love the fact that Mike Tomlin loves to get his hands on DBs that are ridiculous athletes who need some refinement and he knows we can do that. We can we can teach you the finer points of this. I can't teach you to be 64 and 200 plus and run 43 and that's what Tariq Woolen does from the University of Texas San Antonio. So he's the corner that again and I'm I'm a Bucks guy down here in Tampa Bay. He's the guy I want for the Bucks at 60. I, I want I want him to get to that point. Guys that play corner especially even more so than receiver. Are not six four and do not run high four twos, low four threes with thirty four inch arms and make it to the sixtieth pick. It, it's very, very rare. And again, you can talk about technique all day long. You can talk about you know level of competition. NFL teams will look at those numbers and say, "We'll take care of the rest. Give me that guy. We're, get him in my coach. building. It's That's literally quite. our job. That's what to we're coach. paid to do." Uh, so, at, so at corner, he's the guy. I think he's the the corner version of Christian Watson in that way. That when you when you have those size. Strength, speed, physical tools, and and the position that they play. I think those are the two guys that I would I would really love to get my hands on.
0: Before we get out of here, let me jump into one last mock that was given to us from listener Jerry Jones. We're going to scratch out Malik Willis. Here are a couple of other picks he put on his mock. Second round, Nicholas Petit. Um, in the third round, let I cannot pronounce the name. Offensive guard, Letica Smith, Marcus Jones. Um, Devin Lloyd, Zion Johnson, Rashid Walker, and Marcus Jones. Looking at the Steelers, if you had to bet on it, give me your first round pick and give me your second round pick before we get out of here. I know you did the mock and you have them going up to 12. Things change a lot. Um, are we going to wake up surprised? Who do you think that first round and second round draft picks are for the Steelers?
2: You know, I, the more we had this conversation, I, I Watson makes so much sense to me there. I, I really like that. And again, it's about who's off. It's about who's off the board. I think if Devontae Wyatt's there, he's the pick. Uh, I think. I think if you have a a Georgia defensive lineman from that that unit that can do the things. Again, we talked about the combine that Jordan Davis had, but if Jordan Davis doesn't have that combine, we're talking about Devontae Wyatt's combine. We're talking about the performance he had as an athlete as well. Again, he's not as massive. He doesn't have the huge frame, and it's not as spectacular because of how big he is. But again, he's still 6'3", 6'4", 300, and still had ridiculous athletic scores across the board. Um, so again, especially if you're talking about a defensive front that wants to be versatile, that wants to be able to move guys around, Devontae Wyatt, if he's there at 20, which again, makes me sad as a Bucks guy as well, because they need that guy. They need explosiveness. They need a defensive lineman. I'd love for him to slide to 27. It's not going to happen um that that feels like the right pick to me i feel like that's the range that Devonte wyatt goes in i feel like it fills a need and i feel like it checks those first round boxes that neil mentioned earlier that i think are important to the steelers in terms of the second round i think that's where you start to look at who's there at corner or receiver maybe who's there at safety does brisker make it down that far if they're not able to sign a veteran like tyron matthew obviously who i think should still be in play for them um but sign. uh But wide receivers in that range, I think, would be really, really interesting. You know, does does Sky Moore from Western Michigan get down that far? And do they mind the fact that he's a smaller guy? Do they want a bigger guy? You know, obviously, they have Deontay Johnson on one end of that spectrum, and so there's a size. They've got Chase Claypool on the other side in terms of already having the big physical guy. Do you feel like you need to replace James Washington's type of skill set more than you need to replace Juju's? type of skill set. It it just depends. Again, Alec Pierce from Cincinnati is a guy that I think would be really fun in that offense with his Mm -hmm. size speed ratio. Again, I'm saying this as a guy who wants him to go to the bucks because he reminds me a lot of Chris Godwin. I think a lot of the same skill sets, big Mm -hmm. physical, but still really, really fast. Great at the catch point. Doesn't need to be open to, to be open. Um, And again, a guy that Desmond Ritter really, really relied on. Obviously one of those quarterback slides to them in the second round. That's where the no brainer is. I think if, if Ritter corral, Even Howell, if either of those three guys are there, you have to have that conversation as well.
0: Luke, I want to thank you for hopping on to the program as always. We're going to try to get you back on um, as we get closer to the draft, uh, maybe after the draft to evaluate the Steelers draft and give us your thoughts on the draft. So, Luke, thank you once again for always hopping on. Listeners, Luke, tell listeners where they can find your mock. Give us all your information.
2: Yeah, man, always a great time. Glad to glad to be here. I appreciate you guys having me. Um, it's pretty simple on social media. I'm at Luke Easterling, uh, and you can find all my work at draftwire.usatoday.com.
0: And Luke is the one draft prognosticator with the force. He is strong in the force.
2: <laughs> I've never heard that one before. That's that's, very, <clears throat> that's, uh, that's unique. Yes. The Nobody's ever made Tip that. Once
1: yeah. or twice, maybe a long time ago. <laughs> yes. Luke, Luke also knows three years ago when I was bugging him about Trey Lance, I also said, Keep, keep an eye on number one. Look at this receiver that they've you got. Did. He's a freshman. I got received. 6'4", 200. He's running fast. You got to see his, his balance and his body control. It, Watson, in my it, it, at that point, I thought Watson was a better pro prospect than Lance was.
0: Uh, Neil is the knower of all Bison football. Again, Luke, thank you for hopping on to the program. I will put the link to Luke's most recent uh, mock draft in the YouTube comments, and in the chat here. Luke, thanks again for, for breaking everything down with the draft. You guys have a ton of work to do, and I and I appreciate it all. And you guys give us great insights and great information. Again, thank you, Luke, for hopping on to the program.
2: Hey, my pleasure, guys. Enjoy your weekend.
0: You too, Luke. Thanks. So, Neil, before we get out of here, I, I, I did have a... Yeah, I said it, segment moment. Um, and... Shame on any Pittsburgh Steeler fan that thought that the story of the Steelers trading for Baker Mayfield was legitimate. Come on, Steeler Nation. Everything that you see on Twitter is not true. Why would they want Baker Mayfield? They don't want Baker Mayfield. That that story – I. they want Mitch Trubisky, I, would I mean, I, Trubisky, I, mean <laughs> I mean, they've made their decision. I, They're going with Mitch. And Mitch, they trust. I, it is God. what it is. I, oh. I, here's the
1: thing. Let, let's just, to dispel the myth. We have to break it down to a sub-level. Just because you heard it on the internet doesn't mean that it's true or untrue. But it can also be true that a reporter was told what the reporter is saying, that does not mean that it's true or untrue. In other words, Lance, if you whispered to me that X is going to happen, and I tweet out per source X is going to happen, and X does not happen, that doesn't mean it's a false report. It means what was told me, what was told to me, was incorrect. I am not making in this case in the Mayfield case. What was said to to Marianne Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer was the Steelers would pounce all over it if Mayfield was, was released. What fans took that as, because frankly, they don't read, what fans took that as is the Steelers are interested in trading for him. He hasn't been <laughs> traded because nobody is interested in trading for him. And that's not because Baker Mayfield sucks. It's because he's set to make $18.5 million in the last year of his contract. Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't been traded. It's the same reason do you want him enough to want to extend him that's the question and if you don't you're going to wait for him to get cut so you can sign him to your own contract otherwise you get him for one year at a high price why would you bother you have to give him a new contract anyway you'd rather just do it for this year so you wait until he's a free agent and then go after him somebody like seattle though my my guess is they'd be willing to give like a you know maybe a conditional third round pick to get him but they're only going to do that if they are interested in the idea, at least, of an extension form. In other words, when you acquire him, he's probably your guy. Do you want him to be your guy? Do you want to go through the draft? Do you want to go through free agency next year after playing a year with Drew Locke? You have to answer all those questions. And that's not something you can necessarily just do. So I don't think the Steelers are for or against the idea of signing Baker Mayfield. I will say this. I didn't think they were for the idea of signing Mitch Trubisky either. As you all know, I, I was not. I ridiculed <laughs> Doug Farrar for suggesting it. And I was beyond pissed when they did. But the fact is, if they're willing to do that, I can't say what they're willing to do or not do. So I'll say this. Baker Mayfield is a better long-term solution for them than Mitch Trubisky is. So to be honest, I don't see why they wouldn't quote-unquote pounce on it. Okay. That, that, that isn't to say that they're going to or not going to but they're only doing their due diligence to take a look and see i i don't have a problem with that
0: well listeners we're going to get out of here and i hope you guys like my new lid with the curse of awesome, pittsburgh by the way. i like that. um you know my new lid with the and i don't know if you guys might be too young if you're looking at the live chat you know the little white little uh that's the little sailor cap uh when the old school players used to wear the caps like this with it's the little sailor in the golf. Uh, they used to have little golf uh, clubs in the middle of the hat. This. And <laughs> this is really old school. Uh, this is old school when your, your, your uncle at the barbecue used to wear the bike shorts above the thigh with the little uh, old school short sleeve shirt with, with the collar. That's what this type of hat is. But listeners, we are going to get out of here And it's ironic before we get out of here that Baker Mayfield is going to have a tougher time finding a team than Deshaun Watson, which is and that's that's the world of the NFL a little bit better. He's (laughs) a little bit better. He is a little bit better. But with that, listeners, we're going to conclude the program again. Want to thank Luke Easterling for hopping on the program, giving us some of his insights. And as always, tune in, tell a friend and subscribe.